right, so here we are. We're here in London today. Um, a nice sunny day. Typical London weather, not. Um, I've got Peter Eshaw on the show with me today, one of the co-founders of Wealthy. Um, we're going to dig into a few different topics. Peter appears to be sitting on his balcony, uh, living the Australian lifestyle, living it up. Um, so how are you going, Peter? I'm doing really well. I'm, I'm actually rubbing it in for all the expats that are <laughs> yeah. sitting in London or um, sitting anywhere else around the world where it's cold, miserable and raining. I came home, Chris, today from a function and before I could get changed and, and get prepared for this, uh, my children were sitting in my study and, and they kicked me out and they said, Dad, um, you know, give us some more time and I thought I'll, I'll take you up on that. So <laughs> jumped on the balcony and I'm enjoying uh, what's supposed to be the middle of winter, yeah. Uh, but this is, this is the Australian winter that we are so yeah. spoiled with. It's probably warmer there than it is here and it's the second day of summer here. So yeah, you're making a lot of yeah. Londoners very jealous. <laughs> or, or is he yeah, we actually... We, yeah, we actually had rain today, so believe it or not, this is uh, this is this thing. is this is as worse as it gets. But I'm Love sure me. that's no surprise for a lot of our audience. Exactly, we're all used to it now. It's uh, second nature, you could say, second nature. So it's been good. It has been good. Um, I guess to start off with, to I guess open the conversation, I thought we'd start with some talking points around what you've been seeing on the ground uh, in Sydney. Um, obviously, there's a lot of talk at the moment around migration interstate, um, but being on the ground in Sydney, I'm sure you can uh, go into a bit more detail about what you're really noticing, uh, the trends you're seeing, and what people are really saying in Sydney at the moment, just to give us a bit of background here. Yeah, for sure. Well, Chris, we've been locked up, right? We 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 have had a different kind uh, of of pandemic in that... We haven't been able to, we, we've had the luxury of being able to go out and go to school and work and all these normal parts of life. But when it comes to exposure to the outside world, our borders are still locked, right? We're living in a, in a massive bubble here in Australia. Yeah. And what's happened is it's had more positives than negatives so far. We're about 18 months into the pandemic and Australians are people who love to travel. We're a small nation. Um, we're surrounded by amazing destinations uh, and we are far. So when you're far and you don't have borders to be able to drive into or trains to catch, flyings, um, you know, a very expensive exercise. And because we haven't been able to fly, we've been able to recycle a lot of that wealth back into our own economy. Yeah. And so when, when people look at Australia, they see life like normal and an economy that's booming for very good reason. A lot of the leakage that comes with overseas travel hasn't materialised. Our biggest exports are still commodities that come out of the ground. Yeah. Um, and so... Again, it's in our national anthem, um, you know, golden soil and our land is good by sea. And, and again, exactly. we're benefiting from that. And our biggest vulnerability has been our students. Yeah. We rely a lot on foreign students, but they've been able to study online. And I guess the whole education sector overseas has been 
disrupted, not just Australia. So we're sitting here in a really weird position in that so far so good, but the rest of the world is open and we are still somewhat behind the curve. And so everyone's thinking, well, what happens next? Yeah, that's interesting. Could you see a shift in the way in which learning is done or at a tertiary level at least um, for these uni students that can now work or study, sorry, from say China or Japan or wherever they may be. Um, but could you see a shift and maybe from this, this could change the way in which education's done um, at that level. Now it goes online and they don't have the need to, to move to Australia. Um, they can get everything they want online and, and it's to get their degree and certificate essentially. Could you see that happening or do you think that's yeah, a bit far-fetched in a sense? So. I don't know. I'm not a student. My children are. Yeah. And <laughs> when, when, when um, they're younger, so they're still in primary school, um, they are not yet at a point where, um, you know, study is a stressful process. Study is still an enjoyable process. And so what happened for us last year is, um, like many other parents right around the world, we had to homeschool. We weren't equipped. We didn't know what that meant. Um, yeah. And it didn't really work out too well. Um, but I think <laughs> tertiary education Tertiary education is different because mm. tertiary education is more of an experience. You're dealing with young adults. A lot yeah. of the reason why people come to Australia to study is not necessarily because we have the best universities. Our universities are good, but they're not the best. We don't have, you know, your Ox Oxfords and Cambridges or your Ivy League universities, but we have a lifestyle. We have beautiful weather. Um, and if you're coming from a Chinese city where you have a lot of pollution, and fog, um, or you're coming from India where you've got congestion and a lot of other issues that come with that, Australia is a beautiful option for your children. Um, and it's also a place for resettlement. It's a, it's a gateway for many families that are looking at eventually migrating out of their country um, yeah. to, do, to, to do so. So those are the factors that I think online education doesn't address um, but in the short term, it means we can continue to export a 50 or 60 grand degree and charge 50 or 60 exactly. grand while closing the borders. So it's an agile response. Yeah, that's an interesting one. And looking at all the stats that seem to keep getting published at the moment about rankings of GDPs and where Australia now sits in the, in the list of the top eight, it's, uh, it's interesting. They've, they're the only one who have managed to get through this pandemic and come out in the green, you could say. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how places like the UK respond off the back of hopefully once this pandemic's over by the end of the year, touch wood. Um, but we come out of our lockdown in about three weeks' time now. Um, so that was meant to happen last week. Now it's it's supposedly going to be happening in about three weeks. And it's going to be interesting to see how the UK government responds to a similar issue, I suppose, in the same way that students haven't been able to get in. It's a bit easier in the UK, but... There was also a stage where it was all online and I've got some uni friends that I know that are still doing their degree um, online and absolutely hating it at the moment just because they don't get yeah. the social benefits from it, I think. It's uh, one of the main things, but it'll be interesting. I think what we're saying about unis too is those students are pumping money back into the economy in the form of mm. going for food, going retail shopping, um, hospitality, anything really. Um, so it's, it's a key part of keeping the economy moving in the right direction. But Australia's done an awesome job with it as a whole. Um, but now it'll be interesting to see how they respond once those borders open and how 
how places like Brisbane, for example, will manage with a further influx of migration for Queensland um, when they're already seem to be getting inundated at the moment from interstate places like Sydney and Melbourne. So I think there's a real uh, real opportunity in Brisbane. And I uh, I guess I love you know I love love Brisbane. It's it's one of the places that's close to my heart. But it'll be interesting to see how um, how it does respond to that overseas well, migration again. Yeah, well, what I, what I think is a good idea if we ta- if we take listeners um, on a little bit of a journey yeah. and explain why Queensland and what's really going on, right? You know, Queensland is is seen as sort of the number three um, play in Australian real estate. Um, New South Wales and Victoria are always the premier markets, and uh, Queensland, particularly Brisbane and the Gold Coast have underperformed, but there's a narrative there. There's a reason there. And I think it's very important for us to take people on a journey that I believe starts at 2009, the last financial crisis. And the way I see it, Chris, is when that crisis hit, it was carnage in the financial markets. It was very different to COVID because it was an economic crisis. It wasn't a health crisis. And we saw um, we saw a government response that was unilateral. A lot of stimulus being pumped into the market, and Sydney and Melbourne started to get their groove back. So we saw a strong property market in Australia in 2010, 2011. It was starting to get stronger, and it was Brisbane's time. And they had the floods. Oh yeah, of course. They had a. They had a devastating natural disaster, and many people forget this. And the uh, floods were an economic, political, social shock to yeah. Brisbane. Were you there at that time? I was living there, yeah. We were actually living on the river at that time as well, um, over in a place called Balimbo. And I still remember, yeah, having to get evacuated from the house and moved over. We went and stayed with some friends at the time. But, yeah, the it came with the click of your fingers almost, you woke up mm. that morning and the floods were gushing down the Brisbane River. So it was um, it was quite a shock to the system seeing that. And then after following the floods, you're left with just thick soot or just a mud across the whole city almost. And development sites in the city that have been, you know, just dug their basements, they've just laid their foundations and now filled with, um, yeah, flood water up to the brim. Um, and it was, it set people back there. massively. I, yeah, I wasn't there, I, but I heard stories and yeah. I remember... Yeah, um, you know, see, seeing the devastation, and it was a big, um, it, it was a big stumbling block. And and what happened? A lot of a lot of interstate investors thought Brisbane has a flooding problem. They tarnished the whole state with the same brush, even though the landmass of Queensland is larger than most um, yeah. European countries combined. Right? If you take the Euro block. Um, it'll, it'll it'll probably be combined it's crazy. Um, um, somewhat. Yeah, so everyone tarnished it and said, oh, you know, Brisbane's got issues, floods. Mm. And then what happens after that is the mining boom slowed down. The mining yeah. boom that carried us through 2008 and nine and through to 12, coal, thermal coal, metallurgical coal, a lot of the projects around liquefied natural gas up in northern uh, in, in the north of Queensland around Gladstone, they started to to come down. And coal is actually Australia's 
second largest export, I believe. I think it's iron ore, coal, gold, liquefied natural gas education. And so there was a a shot in the arm, again, uh, for Queensland and the Brisbane market in particular. And then as that was starting to come through, we had the Campbell-Newman government, um, a, a, a very um, yeah, that's right leaning government yeah. okay, that, that had a point to prove. Um, they came up and they tore up a lot of the, the zoning and a lot of the planning policies and they opened up and they went from one extreme to another. They allowed so much uh, construction, which I believe was needed. I yeah. believe Brisbane had an undersupply. However, it came in a short period of time. And so when you fly into Brisbane, you will see um, a very small city skyline. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, it's very, very tiny compared to Sydney and Melbourne, yet alone London or any other international yeah, city. Definitely. And it needed, it needed it. However, it came in a very, very short period of time. And just as these apartments and dwellings were coming up for settlement around 2017, 2018, yeah. The regulator imposed restrictions on investor lending across the whole country. And a lot of this supply that was just coming on got absolutely smashed through no fault other than the banks became very risk averse. And in 2018, 2019, we had a Royal Commission into banking. And here we are today, 12 years after the financial crisis, and it's just starting to move. Yeah, that's interesting. So uh, definitely been through the cycle. And I remember that 17 or 16, 17 period um, when every single headline was just filled with the oversupply scare, you could say. It was, I had a friend that had bought a unit at the time in Newstead, which was a nice area in Brisbane. Um, and for 12 months, he was told by everyone uh, that he'd pay too much for it. And the oversupply was, scare was there. And it was, um, yeah, it was a it was a difficult time for a lot of people, I think. But it's interesting to see that Brisbane's bounced back and, and managed to stay on top. And now that there is this influx of population from Sydney and, and Melbourne, um, and you've got that gradual increase, it's, uh, it seems to be filling up, which is, is good to see for Brisbane. And I think it's going to put Brisbane on the map a bit more. And if once those borders open and you get a further influx of people, it's, um, it's a, kind of a hotspot for big things. Um, and I read an article actually just before in regards to the federal budget um, talking about they're predicting about 86,000 more people from overseas to move into Queensland over the next four years. So that's massive considering this year alone there was about 30,000 net gain uh, into the city. It's, uh, and that was just Brisbane. Uh, and you've got another, I think it was close to 18,000 people to southeast Queensland, places like the Sunshine Coast and into the Gold Coast. Um, so it's interesting to see. I, I can see there being almost connecting that whole part of southeast Queensland from Sunshine Coast down to, to Brisbane and then from Brisbane down to the Gold Coast and places like Pimparma now uh, between yeah. the Gold Coast and, and Brisbane, they're taking off. Um, they had about a 14% growth in prices. Well, we've seen it in Sydney, right? For those that have, that have been to Sydney um, or, or have relatives that live in Sydney, Western Sydney is now Australia's third largest economy on its own, and wow. you can go from um, you know you can go from the northern beaches down past Campbelltown, and you have dense um, urbanisation in Sydney. And so, what happened in Sydney is the southern parts of Sydney around Campbelltown, Oran Park, Narellan, 
um, they were rural farms and 10 years ago people would laugh at you I went to school out there and it yeah. was farms and we had friends that would live out there on acreage you had snakes and and cows and and chickens and today I, 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 they're, they're doing 250 square meter blocks right you're, wow. you're talking about medium median house of a million dollars um, out 60 kilometers from Sydney and so what's happened is it's swelled. You had two centers that have swelled and everything has been caught in the middle. And to me, South Brisbane is, is, is going to benefit from that because Brisbane is the epicenter. Your BHPs, your Santos, your Rio Tintos, PricewaterhouseCoopers, they're all based in Brisbane um, in the economic hub of Queensland. Yet the Gold Coast has its own secular lifestyle self-efficient economy benefiting from the commonwealth games infrastructure that was that had gone in and is still underutilized and people are moving up there because melbourne weather sucks and sydney is very expensive <laughs> right so you're going to have a lot of families that say hey screw this i'll go up i'll work there and you know we can send our children or live a lifestyle that's quite agile and yeah. I'm closer to Asia and my cost of living is better and I've got more sunny days per year. Exactly. So, no brainer. However, yeah. the biggest risk with investing in Queensland and investing is in Brisbane or on the Gold Coast is having the same expectations that you would have in Sydney or in Melbourne because they are different markets. They have different access to infrastructure. They have different dynamics. It is a different play. And I think that's very important for us to discuss, Chris. Yeah, that's, I agree. That's yeah, it's a completely different demographic in a sense. And even looking at your your income, for example, in comparison to a Sydney versus uh, Brisbane job, I think they are significantly different. Although there was an article published, I think it was by ABC News the other day, talking about how bosses at JP Morgan's, PwC, the likes, are saying that employees should be put on a set rate regardless of where you work you're in a position you get set set amount of money regardless of the city that you work in and it gives you the flexibility to choose if you want to move up to say brisbane gold coast sunshine state um and have a more affordable cost of living which makes makes sense if you're raising your kids your family you've got two kids and you're going to get paid the same amount of money why not move up to the sunshine coast and live on the beach or gold coast and live on the beach and have a have a good living um, standard. Yeah. So it's it's uh, it's interesting to see, and I think that migration is just going to keep blocking up. From, in my opinion, I can see it uh, continuing and touching on the Commonwealth Games, but the Olympic Games now, and it does go ahead in Brisbane in 2032. Um, and there was a couple of plans I saw for Roman Street Parklands for a new stadium to go in place. You've also got Queen's Wharf being developed on the river, which will be finished next year. Um, and that'll have a new casino, it'll have a new five-star hotel, um, I believe a Ritz-Carlton's going in there, and there's hundreds of units going in as well at a reasonable price for a central city location. Um, and you can get into some of these units for just over a half million dollars when you compare that to something that's in central Sydney, for example, say it's a you know, Pops Point, Darling Harbour, whatever it may be, um, you're looking in excess of, or I think in excess of probably 800, 900,000 Dollars for a one-bedroom oh, unit. Oh man, that's really <laughs> <more>. generous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've been away for too long. Yeah, it's going. It's but me, what the median house price of Sydney now sits at about one point three, or just over one point three million dollars, I believe. Um, and when you look at Sydney, it's substantially. Oh, sorry, Brisbane, substantially less. 
substantially. So, Bris Brisbane's value. Brisbane is, I think, the way you invest in Brisbane is like this: don't expect Sydney returns, but yeah. don't expect Melbourne returns. Expect a nice yield. That's genuine. It is a genuine dividend yield. And there are a lot of real estate investments right around the world that have fake yields. You can go into Dubai or anywhere across the Middle East and get this 15% return or whatever it is in a hotel. Or, But it's, yeah. it's, it's not real, right? Dig under the bonnet and an economy that has a cash rate at, you know, at, at, a, at, a, at 1% ain't giving you 15% genuine real estate returns. You can go to Turkey and Istanbul and get a 10% um, you know, rental return and, and guess what? That's only for a year or two, then there's a shock. Um, but you, know, you can come to Brisbane and you can come to Australia and get a genuine 5% um, set and forget uh, quality sustainable dividend yield. Uh, on a block of land or something yeah. with land content or, as you said, something in the heart of the economic center as an apartment, yeah. um, and that's a genuine 5 6%. Then there are options that you are not paying for. The Olympics is an option that I get in my pocket for yeah. free, and if they don't get it, I'm not losing sleep, right? My yeah. investment is not predicated on the Olympics. The Commonwealth exactly. Games came yeah. on the Gold Coast. Nothing really happened. Right. Not as prominent. And yeah. then there's Queen's Wharf, as you said, the biggest um, you know, casino uh, in, in Australia. And, and why is that important? Because Queen's Wharf is really an integrated resort that's co-developed by a Hong Kong conglomerate. And it is a way to attract people that would go to Macau. Uh, to come to Australia um, and, and, and they bring their families with them because the Gold Coast and the theme parks are an hour away. And when they come there, they might say, hey, we should buy an investment here or we should build our business here or, you know, this That's is fair. fertile grounds for opportunity. These are all options. However, don't expect to get everything. Don't expect a 5% yield in a house and 500 grand and 30 minutes from the city and 20% return. If nice. you want 20% return, stick to London, go and pay two and a half, three million pounds, yeah. go and buy in White City, go and buy, you know, the cross metro. But exactly. your your return, your money in is, is, is your barriers to entry are four or five times that of investing yeah. in Brisbane. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. And touching back on your point about people coming in from Macau, for example, um, and if they do bring their family and say they they see it as a place that they can send their kids in the future for tertiary education or even secondary education. Um, I think that's another driver for the state itself. Um, and I think as well, touching on back on the point of migration and the numbers that are coming in at the moment, there needs to be, they're going to have to eventually service at an educational level. Um, these people that are coming in, there's gonna, they're going to have families, they're going to have kids and there's not enough schools in Queensland at the moment, you could say, to, to cater for it. So I think that's, and it was mentioned in the, uh, the budget the other day, but the, the need for further education um, in Queensland, which would which be good. It's another, I guess, another driver for the state. Definitely. Real estate is a network asset, yeah. right? Real estate is a network asset. And what does that mean? The bigger the network gets, the more valuable your asset is. The more schools, the more children, the more parents, the more teachers, the more people selling to the school. Um, and unfortunately, Brisbane has vulnerabilities around its networks. The, the best universities in Australia aren't in Brisbane. 
the best hospitals aren't there. Virgin, for example, had its base. Virgin Airlines yeah. had its base um, in Brisbane and we got hit by a pandemic. So there needs to be another 10 to 15 years of momentum until you get that thing really firing. But again, you're not paying for it. They're free options, right? reason why Google opens up its, its base in Sydney uh, or Facebook or WeWork or all these businesses is yeah. because of the network. They can get network of um, access to a certain type of staff, resources, they can expand into Asia. Brisbane hasn't got that yet. So while we're very bullish on it and uh, there's still room for improvement, but it has value. And if you do get those, your investment is going to do very, very well. One of the things people forget is in 2003, Brisbane had a 40% growth year. The median price in Brisbane grew by 40% in one year. Now, that's not necessarily good because it paid the price for the next decade. Sure, and it's yeah. still paying the price. It's still sub. But there is room for growth once there is action and once the price gap between Sydney and Melbourne gets so large that people pick up, pack the car, drive up and say, I'm living here. Yeah, makes sense. And I think as well with the drivers from the budget that were put into development and infrastructure with the, well, there's the billion, a billion dollars, sorry, that's going into new housing supply. Um, and then you've got the other 1.6 bill that's going into the, re, you could say re, um, refurbishing existing um, housing portfolios. Um, and then the infrastructure money that's going in to be spread across the state as well to hopefully drive not just Brisbane but Gold Coast, for example, and connect connect yeah. these central town or regional towns to to Brisbane. So I think um, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an inter interesting one, and maybe the big shift will happen when some of the big corporate companies in um, in Melbourne, for example, decide that it's going to be cheaper for them to to rent and work up in Brisbane. Um, there was when I was working uh, at Cushman back in the day. It was uh, it was interesting because there was the last year I was there. We started to notice a shift of people moving up from uh, from sorry moving down from Brisbane to Melbourne because it was cheaper for them to rent in Melbourne at the time than it was oh, to rent yeah. in Brisbane. The office market was going crazy, um, but I'm sure that's probably turned around now. It's uh, it's back in favour of Brisbane. But I think once we get a couple larger corporates, we've still got some there at the moment, but. Maybe it's maybe it's yeah. Hey, How you done the Uber deal, right? Yeah. You you had first hand you had first hand um you done the, the Uber Chris found Uber their their home in Brisbane. Yeah, the home. And it was it was a good one. And that was an interesting one too. We we dealt with a uh um you could say a, a mum and dad investor essentially, um two privates that had moved over to Brisbane from Vietnam. Um and they were looking for an investment. So uh, at the time, my colleagues had, were working on a, a property in West End on Montague Road, um, and they managed to sell that building to this couple for uh, just under, or just over five and a half million dollars, and that was sold as a vacant possession. Um, and then the Uber wow. brief had come out at the time, and they were looking for just under two thousand square meters. Um, and thankfully, well, we built a relationship with these these purchases. Um, and they asked us to be appointed to lease the site, um, and we managed to yeah get Uber in there within. Well, it was a it was a process to get them in. We they I guess essentially agreed on an EOI uh, to take the space, but then the negotiation dealing with the guys in America, dealing with, with the guys in Singapore, uh, it was a process. But we got them in there in the end, and 
the fit they spent about one and a half million dollars on the fit out inside wow. and uh, signed a three by three year lease. So it was a good good achievement for us. I was happy about that wow. one. And um, I think I think they're still there to this day, hopefully. But uh, well, yeah. Well, imagine imagine a landlord, right? They came from Vietnam. They probably had a really good business, worked really hard. They had an option to go into uh, Sydney and in Melbourne. What they would have got in Sydney and in Melbourne would have been far less for their money. And then they bag a you know one of the biggest technology businesses in the world as their as their um, tenant. Yeah. And then what that does to your asset, to your commercial asset, is it skyrockets it. I actually know uh, a lot of other people that are in the same pocket. If you go down further further down that road, yeah, uh, I know a really really good um, development company that actually managed to sell their site. They bought it from Dexas. They remediated it. They sold it to RNF Properties, which is a Chinese nice. developer. Yeah, and they, you know, they probably doubled or tripled their money. Exactly, which um, you're talking about. Great, yeah. <laughs> that was a good deal. A very. And good they're deal. still doing stuff, and they're doing stuff yeah. now in South Brisbane. So it's a land of opportunity. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's a different world and a different prism to Sydney, Melbourne. Um, but if I was yep. sitting in London and I was, you know, and I was looking at my options. Um, I think it's a it's something that should seriously be in the top three. Definitely, I mean, it's definitely one to consider. I think biggest opportunity, and uh, for the price point that you can get in that, yes, it might take it might be a slightly longer plan um, with Brisbane, but the opportunities there uh, in the long term. So there's definitely the the potential for big big things. How, how are you seeing things in the in the London market? So I know London, Central London's you know in a yeah. world of its own. But if I, was sitting, if I was sitting working in central London and I'm an Aussie expat and I'm considering my, my options, what am I realistically looking at to get into a, you know, your white cities, your Hammersmiths, um, your yeah. even if you want to go out to Ealing and, and, and Wembley out that sure. way? I think if, you, if we were looking at one bedrooms, um, there's always going to be potential for so, you know, you could say you're cheap and nasty. So if you're looking at a new development now, um, there's a new development that's gone up in White City, actually near uh, Westfield. Um, I know it. I yeah, remember you, walking through that displacement. Exactly. Yeah. So I look and out my bedroom window and see them. My feet. Yeah. <laughs> so I think they've, I think they've come down slightly in price, um, and you could get in there for a one bed probably at about five, around five hundred fifty thousand pounds. Um, so if you put that into dollars, you're looking at just about the million dollar mark. Um, yeah. Places like where we've started to see the, I guess London itself is just its own world. So think. What would a two bedroom? What would a two bedroom go for in White City? I remember when I looked at them, um, they were like one 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 two. I think. Now, I, when I was there the other day, they were about like nine fifty, nine eighty mark okay. uh, for a two bed. Although that was without a study, um, and yeah. it's rare to find a car park anyway. But um, yeah, you're looking at two bed, one bath for about yeah nine fifty. Um, places like London's in its own ecosystem world, and things it's a it's a difficult market. London at the moment between that half a million to one point five mil mark, um, things are struggling to not struggling to move, but it's a slower market. Um, and I think yeah. people are keeping their hands in their pockets essentially in these part in that market. Um, then there's a bit of a hard market between the one point five to four million pound mark. Um, and nothing that seems to be quite a stagnant kind of place at the moment. Uh, when you look above the four mil mark, things are churning through at the moment. Uh, people are, it must, I think it's foreign investment, uh, even local investment, people just 
who have moved out to the countryside now moved back into London. Um, and that market's really moving. So that's interesting to see. I think, look, I think that's, that's um, I'd invest, I'd actually invest in, if I had the capacity um, and if my budget was there, I think that's a great investment because if you're, if the top end of your market is going up, that's usually a good sign again for the network effects. So we're not, you know, we're saying London is, is the premier. Um, However, if you've got the means and capacity to go and do, you know, white city at one to one and a half million pounds and you're an Aussie expat, I think you can probably do, you know, a house in Brisbane, a brand new house for 500 grand, which is 280,000 pounds or whatever it is and have that diversity in your portfolio. Do both. I think yeah. that's what we're saying. And if you don't have the capacity exactly. to do White City, don't wait. You don't go and buy a one-bedroom in White City. Go, you know, come and buy a house in Brisbane. Brisbane, um, yeah. It's a good point. Yeah, and it's, it's or even, Melbourne or Sydney. Yeah, looking at places as well, like your Liverpools and your Birmingham's, uh, Manchester, Leeds, places like that, which have been going crazy over the last 18, 24 months, um, even throughout the, the pandemic. But I think Birmingham's an interesting one to look at because now you've got the major corporates heading up to, to Birmingham. You've got HS2, which is being developed at the moment. Um, the truck's laid there. It's going through the uh, the political side of it, really, at the moment. But um, it's an interesting place, Birmingham. You can get an, an investment property. Um, I was dealing with a few in the past, but you could buy property in Digbeth, for example, which is about two kilometres from the CBD, um, and you'd be looking at about £260,000 for something like that. Um, and that's what sort of what would you get? What would you get for two sixty there? That is a one bed, one bath. Um, but you're connected. Well, train stations literally on your doorstep. You're in a little community based project um, with amenity on your doorstep. Walking yeah. distance to the um, walking distance to the city. It's it's an interesting place. And with the connectivity in London, I think there'll be a shift in people willing to do the commute. You could say it's similar to a, a Newcastle and in New South Wales and the Central Coast. If I, if that was the only investment I could make and I had to pick between doing that, buying a house in Brisbane or buying a townhouse in Melbourne, I'd, yeah. I'd much rather take a townhouse in Melbourne or a house in Brisbane um, or even an apartment, a two-bedroom apartment in Sydney because, you know, your one-bedroom – developers love one-bedrooms, by the way, um, yeah. because they are uh, – for a lot of people, it's the only thing they can afford – um, and a developer can cut two bedrooms up um, and get more gross uh, revenue for the floor area by selling two one bedrooms than a two uh, than a two bedroom. However, yeah. as an investor, it is it is a compromise. It's a big big compromise. And real estate is about location. Real estate is about the network. Real estate is about who is going to buy your investment in the future, right? Who is going to compete for my asset in the future? And there are only, with the one-bedroom, there are only so many people that are going to buy that. It's an investor or it's a single person or maybe if you're lucky, it's a couple with yeah. no commitments, right? But even those, those couples with no commitments will always opt for a two-bedroom because they want extra space um, and they're going to grow out of the one-bedroom. You go for a townhouse in Melbourne or you go for a house in Brisbane, you've got families, you've got students, you have investors, you have the world at your feet for yeah, the same great. investment. And then what you can do is you can buy these things in Australia and continue to live wherever you want in the UK, work, enjoy exactly. your life, go, 
go and do your Greek holidays and go and do Portugal and go and do whatever. I've got no social life, so I don't know what people get up to. You've got kids now. Living there. Go and do that, right? Sure. No, exactly. Exactly that. Um, it'll be interesting. I think a lot's going to happen in Australia, especially when those borders open, and I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen. Um, so it'll be good. But it's been good to speak to you today, Peter. I've, uh, Thank you. I've really appreciated Likewise. it, and it's, uh, it's been a good chat. So I look forward to chatting again, and hopefully we'll get you back on the show uh, before you know it. Hopefully yeah. I'm invited back. Uh, <laughs> if you like Back on the show. Hopefully I gave some value. But, um, look, yeah, it's, great it's great to have you on board. It's great to have you there to, to help expats, um, not just in uh, London or wherever they are around the world. You've lived, you know, one of the, the philosophies we have in our business is that uh, we, we practice what we preach. We all yeah. own real estate. We've all made mistakes. We all continue to invest. And as an expat, talking to expats, you are an expat. Uh, okay. You're an Aussie. You grew up here and, and you, you are the real deal. And so yeah. I'm really happy that we've got someone of your caliber um, and someone uh, that's the real deal, uh, talking real deal investments. So thank you, Chris. Perfect. No, I appreciate it. Thank you for those words. All right. Thank we'll you. We'll speak soon. And thank you. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Uh, and we look forward to the next episode of Worthy Expat. Thank you again.